Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. All right, guys, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's broadcast. I want to apologize to you. They've been out of the picture here for a couple of weeks. Many of you know that I had me a little interesting visit from COVID-19. And starting Christmas Day, Brenda and I and really about half of my kids all had COVID-19. And so I had to show you a few reruns for the last couple of weeks. But I can promise you this, there was enough truth and reality in those reruns that uh, you didn't get cheated out of anything. Now, actually, right at the end of, of uh, December, I did a series called Turning the Curse into the Blessing. You might even want to go back and listen to that series before you jump fully into this, just so we'll all be on the same page together. But I want you to understand something. You know, and, and I've already mentioned this, but I want to kind of bring you up to date on this. You know, every year I generally, in January, I'll teach something about goal setting, about how to pursue your dreams and your goals, how to walk with God to fulfill your destiny and fulfill your purpose. Now, the thing that is so different this year is that, is that I am going to be teaching you some of those things, but actually the context is totally different. Because in years gone by, you know, you know, we've really, we, we have really had uh, really uh, a pretty good life for, for, you know, for the last several years. And, you know, I, I've shared this with you many times. Uh, in good times, it, prosperity and success is not hard in good times. People who are just diligent, work hard, and work smart can generally prosper uh, in good times. Anybody can. But where it becomes difficult is prospering in hard times, prospering in difficult times. And I'm telling you, we are facing a time in our nation, and I'm sure it's this way in many nations of the world, where right now is not time that it seems like we could still hold on to our dreams or seek to prosper or seek, you know, seek to get ahead or seek to win. So basically, <clears throat> our faith in God has, by the way, if I clear my throat too many times, I apologize again, just kind of at the tail end of, of COVID and pneumonia and a, you know, a few other things. And, uh, and by the way, I'm really, really thankful to God that I'm on my feet. I'm really, really thankful to God that I have that I have once again won another one of these battles that would that should have should have put me in the ground. But uh, you know what? That's what we do. You know, I hope that no matter what's going on around you, I hope that no matter what your circumstances are trying to dictate to you, that you see yourself as more than a conqueror. And if you don't see yourself as more than a conqueror, I hope you're going to do something about it. I hope you're going to bring your identity, your self-image, your self-worth in line with who you really are in Jesus, what you really have in God through Christ. Because I'm telling you something, it, the world is getting darker and darker and darker, 
And uh, But here's the great thing. You know, the Bible teaches us that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I got news for you. No matter what goes on, no matter what challenges come to you, there's going to be more grace, more of the capacity, the power, the strength of God working in you to prevail than is working against you. There's always going to be more grace than whatever than whatever you're facing. And I, and I get a lot of comfort out of that. You know, uh, back in 2006, when we began to head toward the, uh, you know, toward the crises, and I've shared this with you many times, you know, the Lord began to put on my heart what was coming, and I began teaching, and, uh, 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 and, and then ultimately published this book called, uh, called Wired for Success, Program for Failure. And what this book was about, and the reason I wrote this book, is that with hard times coming, I knew that many people would, because, you know, for whatever reason, they had a conditional trust for God. They weren't sure that God could actually help them through truly, truly hard times. And so this book was written to show people how, and to give people exercises in developing their heart, how they could develop their heart, and no matter what's going on around them, they could walk with God in their heart, and they could they could maneuver whatever those situations were that were that were coming upon our economy and coming upon our nation at the time. Well, I just want you to understand something. Uh, right now, we're at one of those times where this particular book, Wired for Success, Program for Failure, is probably one of the most important books that you could could read because not only does it show you the biblical uh, a goal God's biblical goal for you uh, a living above the circumstances of the world it also gives you exercises to develop your heart because you see in good times you just kind of go out and work the system and the system works for you but in hard times in times uh, time, lean times the problem is you really better be able to hear the voice of God in your heart. You better be able to follow the voice of God in your heart so that you can find the path that is the path for you and for your situation. So I just want to encourage you, check it out, Wire for Success, Program for Failure. Uh, got incredible, incredible, incredible testimonies, you know, from this book. And if I remember correctly, I think within this book, there is the opportunity to, to uh, have access to a free uh, video seminar that I did on this particular subject. Well, as I thought about as I thought about this week, and if we, as, as I approached thinking about what I was going to teach about this week, the one scripture that just kept coming to me over and over again, I was thinking about Abraham and Isaac, and I was thinking about the fact that Abraham and Isaac lived in a world that hated Jehovah. There were very few believers in the entire world that uh, that believe the truth about God. And the real truth is they lived in constant threat of attack by people who worshiped other gods that would take their life if they had the opportunity to do so. You know, many people don't know this about Abraham, but Abraham's father, according to Jewish history, was actually uh, a, a general uh, in, 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 uh, in Babylon, uh, at the Tower of Babel, and he was actually a general of an anti of the first Antichrist. Uh, you know, a, a picture that we have of a person claiming themselves to be the, the Messiah, and so, so we we know 
that that uh, this was the first time that babies were killed in an attempt to to destroy any deliverer coming. Nimrod was the ruler, and uh, uh, see, we don't under we don't understand all this. I'm not going to go into it today, but it was prophesied that the Messiah would come. As a matter of fact, uh, for 2,500 years, uh, the whole world knew that, that all of the constellations told the story of what happened in the garden and of the coming Messiah through a virgin that would ultimately be the Messiah and rule the world. And so, so the minute that, was, that truth was exposed to the world, then every wicked king from from that time forward always had stargazers to watch the stars to try to determine when the Messiah would come. Now, they, they didn't want to know when the Messiah was going to come so they could go out and worship him and, and surrender their life to him. They intended to kill him so that they could take over all the resources of the planet Earth and in their greed and their lust for power, they would destroy all of God's people. They would destroy the Messiah. They would cut the Messiah off from the Earth and they would, would control the world. So Nimrod, he... See, they, they knew there was a particular place that when, when a deliverer would come, that a star would manifest in a particular constellation. And so uh, Nimrod's uh, uh, stargazers saw a star, and it was really about a deliverer, but they thought it might have been about the Messiah. So Nimrod was the first one to go out and kill all the male babies under a certain age to make sure that, that the Messiah or the deliverer did not survive. Well, in this case, the deliverer turned out to be uh, Abraham. And so Abraham's father was a general in Nimrod's army, according to Jewish history. And so ultimately, uh, when God told Abraham to leave, or the Chaldees to leave that, that part of the world, he was leaving in order to really to, to save his life. So he was leaving a nation where the entire nation was committed to assassinating him. And he came into a part of the world where not only were there armies and nations that were ready to destroy him, but th there was also the Nephilim. You know, there were, uh, in, uh, um, in what we now know as Canaan, uh, it was filled with Nephilim, with with giants and with people people that, that hated God, that they were antichrist, they were convincing the world that God wasn't who he said he was, and they they hated Abraham, they hated anybody that, that represented God. So man, I'm telling you, Abraham and his family was an incredibly hostile world, and there was really nobody uh, that was offering to help them. As a matter of fact, like I said, they had to constantly be on their guard to keep from being totally wiped off of the face of the earth. And so the scripture, though, that kept coming to me just over and over and over and over uh, is from Genesis 26, verse 1. And this is talking about a time of Abraham and Isaac and how that they were in the land during a time of famine. Uh, uh, Genesis 26, 1 says there was a famine in the land. And verse 12 says then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The, uh, 
the man began to prosper and continued prospering until the until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of servants so the philistines envied him now now listen what is so amazing about this again we have this concept of god being able to bless us kind of when when, when things are good so really what that means is we we limit God in our faith, we limit God in our circumstances to believe that He can only help us. Uh, you know, whenever things whenever things lined up just right, when all the circumstances are in our favor, when the economy is good, when all of these things are happening. Well, here you have Isaac back in a day when people knew very little about God. You have Isaac in a hostile world that sought his demise and sought to, to wipe out the name of God. And, and, there, and there was a famine in the land. And Isaac went ahead and he sowed and he reaped and he became incredibly prosperous at a time when everybody else was going under, when everybody else was losing everything that, that they had. Now, I want you to understand something. We are standing on the brink of one of the darkest times in world history. Now, we're not there yet how soon the, all of these things will unfold, but I'll tell you where I believe we are. I believe we are in what Jesus described as the beginning of sorrows. And the beginning of sorrows talks about a time when through uh, race wars that there would be trouble in every nation of the world because of corrupt leaders using racism. And, uh, and you know, you get this out of, Mark, I mean, uh, out of Matthew 24, where uh, it says, uh, where Jesus says, you know, a nation shall rise against a nation. Well, that word nation is the word ethnos. Ethnic groups will rise one against another, and then all of this corruption and all of this, all of this godliness that is going on is being spurred by people creating racial conflict all over the world between all kinds of all kinds of groups of people and so so here we are you know we're standing here looking at our nation uh, America saying, well, wait a minute, the, the economy is just on the brink of crashing, you know, based on policies that are being put forward. And we're sitting here saying, so, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. We're going to realize that the same God that made it possible for Isaac to sow during a time of famine and become prosperous, that's the God that we serve. We're going to realize that God is with us. He is not against us. You know, one of the things I talked about about in my, in my message just a, a couple of weeks ago about God turning the, the curse into the blessing, I talked about the way of Balaam, and I talked about the era of Balaam, the doctrinal era. See, there was a way of Balaam. Balaam served God for profit. And if you'll remember in the book of Job, one of the things that Job's friend said to him was like, look, God is doing all this to you, and so evidently he's punishing you just curse God and die. In other words, if, in other words, if there's no blessing in serving God, just curse, just curse God and die. Just go, just go ahead and give up. Well, <clears throat> that, the, the concept of serving God for profit, and sadly, there's many people that that's, that's their only concept in serving God is that they can prosper, that they can trust God to get ahead or what, you know, or what, whatever. But that's, what the Bible calls the way of Balaam. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that we're going to face in the upcoming years is we're going to face what the Bible calls 
what some people read the Bible and say is the great falling away, where there's going to be a massive turning against God, a massive abandoning of the faith. And the reason people are going to abandon the faith, number one, because a lot of those people are just serving God for benefit, for what, for what benefit they get in this world. But the biggest thing is this. There is a doctrinal lie that is being told and will be told over and over and over again that all the hardship that is coming upon the world is the will of God. It is God It is God punishing the world for its wickedness. Well, the Bible says something totally different. The Bible talks about how that this is the, the uh, tribulation of the Antichrist and that it will be the greatest tribulation against the whole world, but it's not God punishing people for what they have done wrong. It is the Antichrist, as he comes to power, uh, punishing the world to try to turn their hearts against God. So there's, there's that, that whole way of Balaam that just gets into serving God for profit, and if everything's not working out the way we want it to, then we're going to turn our backs on God. Well, then there's a doctrinal era associated with Balaam. And the doctrinal era associated with Balaam, which I talk about in this in the message that I preached back in, in uh, uh, December, is, is a doctrine that says that God will curse what he has blessed. Well, that is a, a doctrinal error. God will not curse what he has blessed. And even though we may make mistakes, even though we may fail at so many errors, it is never, ever, ever God cursing us. God is for us. He is not against us. God will always be for us. He will not be against us. And the more we anchor our hearts in how good God is, how faithful God is, then the real truth is the more hope we're going to have and the more stability that we're going to have. You know, faith springs from hope. So let's stop and think about it. If God wants to lead me along a path to make sure that I'm protected and, you know, as, as bad situations start coming to the world, then I've got to have faith. I've got to trust Him. Well, if I don't have hope, We'll have faith because the Bible says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. Well, what is hope? Hope is the confident expectation of good things. So if I don't believe that God is a good God and only good, then how can I have a constant positive expectation of good things come in my life? I can't. But if I believe that God is good and only good, my heart will ever be open to God for solutions, for answers, for leadership, for direction. And that hope will manifest in faith because then when I hear the voice of God, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be blaming him for all the bad things that are happening in my life. You know what? <clears throat> One of, the thing, one of the things about God is God is not limited to uh, our opinion of Him. God is not limited to our expectation of Him. There is no limiting how good God is. There is no limiting how powerful God is. There is no limiting what God can and will do for us in any given situation where we're willing to trust Him and willing to follow Him. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says this, It is now to Him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So, you know, Paul is saying here is like, look, God 
can and will do more for us than we can ever imagine, than we can ever think. But it's interesting, he says, but he will do this by the power that works in us. See, when we're wanting to see God, most of us, we're looking at the world around us and we're trying to, we're trying to determine if God is blessing or not blessing based on the circumstances that are happening in the world around us. Well, again, I know I'm repeating myself here. Uh, that's going to lead you into deception because the, the world outside of us, the world around us, is being controlled by the desires of, of the wicked people. You know, it, the world is not a safe place. The world is not, a, is not a place where you look to to know God. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, if we have value for the world, we're going to have trouble having value for God. Because what God is offering us is not something that comes to us from the blessings on the outside and worked its way to the inside. What God is offering us is something on the inside that so transforms us, that so influences us that we, in fact, go out here and we make the difference in the world. So this thing that God wants to offer you is better than uh, anything that you've ever asked or anything that you've ever thought, it starts in your heart because of you believing the truth about how good God is. You know, something I've shared, I don't even know how many thousands of times, and if you've heard me preach many times, you've probably heard me share this. But if you want to know God's character and God's nature, then you have to have some, some time, some opportunity to look at him and look at what he does when there is absolutely nobody's praying, nobody's earning anything, nobody, you know, it has nothing to do with what, what people deserve, what people don't deserve. And so there are two places, I mean, really there's more than two, but there's two very definitive places where if you want to know God's character and nature, you need to look at these two places, and one is creation. You know, uh, man, I'm telling you, uh, just for several nights, I just kept thinking, Eden, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to look this up in the Hebrew. I want to make sure I clearly understand what the word Eden and what the word garden means. Well, the word Eden has to do with pleasure. Now stop and think about it. When God made a decision about where he was going to place man in planet Earth, it was going to be in a protected place where uh, man would enjoy pleasure. Now, I'm telling you, religion hates the fact that you could enjoy pleasure. It, hates the, it doesn't even want to believe that God wants you to enjoy pleasure. It wants you to believe that God wants you to suffer and that God's going to make you righteous through suffering and all that nonsense. God makes you righteous through faith in Jesus. He doesn't make you righteous through suffering. Now, <clears throat> so, so uh, you know, sovereignty, you know, we, we, we tend to uh, corrupt the concept of sovereignty, and, and we redefine sovereignty to say that God is in control of everything. Well, that is not sovereignty. And if you believe that, you'll end up hating God because you'll never be able to trust a God, you know, when all this chaos is happening, all these bad things are happening, you think God's in control. God is not in control. God gave authority of planet Earth to man. We are in control. Planet Earth is becoming exactly what the majority of the world wants it to become. But what's interesting is you stop and think, the Garden of Eden, 
God acted totally sovereignty, sovereignly, which means he acted with no outside influence. There was nobody, there was nobody praying. There was nobody trying to move him. There was nobody using their faith to get him to do anything. God said, I am going to create a realm of complete pleasure. And actually the word garden is a really interesting word. The first letter in garden is the, word, is the letter gimel. And in the Hebrew, the, the gimel is a picture of a camel that's rushing to bring resources and provision to people in need. So God is saying, I am rushing even before mankind is here, even before the first human being is created, I am rushing to this place to make sure that when man comes into this world, every need is met, every desire is fulfilled, and he will live in absolute abundance of pleasure. Now, I'm not talking about pleasure you know, of the flesh. I'm talking about a pleasure that is internal, that is beyond anything that we absolutely know. And, and, and every need, every single need was met. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no sorrow. There was no weeping. There was no heartache. Well, then you look again in the book of Revelation, Revelation 20 or 21, when heaven when New Jerusalem comes down to planet Earth and, and our eternal home is established here, by the way, heaven is not, you know, off out there somewhere floating around on a cloud. Heaven is going to be when New Jerusalem comes to planet Earth. Well, what's interesting, once again, this is when, you know, everything is wrapped up. Nobody's trying to pray up anything. Nobody's trying to talk God into doing anything. And, but, but it says there will be no weeping. There will be no sorrow. There will be no death. There will be none of these things because all of these former things will be done away with. So the two clearest times in the Bible that we see the will of God done perfectly without any influence from anybody else is, is the beginning and the end where we live in absolute, complete pleasure. Now, in the middle of that, you can then go, well, then, then we do have one other uh, incredible event in the middle of that is, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, where God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all of your sin, and I'm going to deal with it so you never have to face it. You never have to face the punishment that you deserve. You never have to pay the price for this. I am taking this away, and I am eradicating this from you and I'm, I'm raising up my son Jesus who takes this sin away who pays this price for you and he's going to be raised from the dead in righteousness and he's going to receive the inheritance and I'm giving all of this inheritance to you and so when we look at the places where God clearly established who he is and what he wants for us, we see that what God wants for us is so much better than anything we want for ourselves. But the problem is we just don't believe that God is that good. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, Paul says, you know, it, he says, It is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit teaches us all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I have a pretty incredible imagination. And, you know, and, and I've seen I've seen every kind of miracle that you can imagine. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen cripples get up and walk. I've seen lepers get cleansed. You know, I have seen pretty much every uh, New Testament miracle as I preach the gospel around the world. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. But the truth is, no matter 
how good all of that is, it's, it doesn't even re come close to revealing how good God is. And then it says, well, neither has ear heard. So you know what? I've heard in te you know, testimonies that are pretty incredible about how good God is. But you know something? None of them are as good as he really is. And the last one says, a matter of fact, there's, it's never entered into your heart or your imagination or your deep thoughts how good God is and what God has prepared for you. I want to tell you something. The people who will live victoriously in the, the months and years to come are the people who realize that God is better than anything they've ever imagined, ever seen, ever heard, ever thought. And they're going to take God's testimony about who He is. They're going to take God's testimony about His goodness. And that's where they're going to get their understanding of God. And they're going to walk out in a world that's fallen apart and God's going to lead them into peace and prosperity and success. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this. Share this with your friends. I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.